That had been two months ago. Now, three days out of Queenstown Harbour, he sat on the edge of his berth in the dark, listening to silence. His skin prickled with an atavistic warning. We shall, lad, don't be letting your imagination run away with you, Mama would say. Mama, who heard banshees on the wind and shrieked aloud if someone brought white thorn blossoms into the house. Ned swallowed hard, some intuition whose existence he had never suspected was ringing alarm bells in him. Yet at the same time he felt a curious thrill. If the ship was in trouble. Perhaps the liner had been boarded by pirates. If there were pirates, they might have drugged the crew with the help of accomplices, or they could be holding the captain at gunpoint. Suppose some daring young man was able to sneak up behind the pirates and take them by surprise. Where could he find some sort of weapon? A pitchfork, for example. Pitchforks were invaluable in times of trouble. But there would be no farm tools on a passenger liner. Guns, though. There might at least be a gun. In the captain's cabin? Where would that be in relation to middle deck F? Ned struggled to recall what he had learned about the ship's layout. His was an insatiable mind that absorbed information as readily as his mother's soda bread absorbed buttermilk. The huge steamship was eleven stories high, four city blocks long, and was carrying some thirteen hundred passengers. She even made her own electricity. There was no electrification in rural Ireland, so a ship glowing with unflickering light was a vision of heaven to Ned. The vessel was like a small city, with a fully fitted gymnasium, a swimming pool, and Turkish bath, even a replica of a Parisian sidewalk café for the young set. Unparalleled comfort and luxury were provided. The grand staircase was five stories high. First-class suites were decorated with valuable antiques and boasted electric heaters. Second-class had crystal light fixtures and elevators with wrought iron grillwork. From the moment Ned saw the liner, he had loved her. A sovereign of the seas, serene and assured, she encompassed everything a human could desire. Ned's cabin on middle deck F was small by comparison to the more costly suites, yet it contained a single mahogany-framed berth set against one wall with lockers over the bath, an upholstered couch on the opposite wall, another locker with fitted drawers, and a highly polished mahogany washstand with mirror, basin, and a concealed chamber pot. Rope hooks and soap dishes and drawer handles and porthole fittings were all of polished brass. In that cabin, Ned had felt like an egg-bound chick that had finally broken out of its shell into a larger and finer world. If the wonderful ship was in danger now, he, Edward Joseph Halloran, meant to fight for her. But first, he had better get fully dressed. One could hardly cut a heroic figure in a bathrobe, even a new one lined with red flannel. The long white corridor was dimly lit. Through closed cabin doors he could hear the sound of voices, but there was no one in the passage. Ned looked left and right to be sure, then glanced at his parents' door. Should he knock and go into them? If he did, Papa would never let him go looking for pirates. Ned set off down the corridor. A white-jacketed steward emerging from a side passage startled him. "'I'm after hearing something strange,' Ned explained hastily. "'And then there was a sort of a jolt.' The man flicked him with a distracted glance. Everything's all right. Even as he spoke, they heard a clanging crash somewhere below. It's nothing to worry about, the steward insisted. Rushing past Ned, he hurried on. 
At the far end of the corridor, he knocked on a door and murmured something, then went on to the next door. The corridor seemed to have grown very cold. As if carried on an invisible current, Ned resumed walking. Others were feeling the current, too. First one cabin door, and then another opened. People put out their heads and looked around, or emerged in varying degrees of undress. A stocky man wearing trousers and braces and a half-unbuttoned boiled shirt stepped from his cabin so abruptly he collided with Ned. "'What's happening?' he demanded in a Liverpool accent. Ned had noticed the Englishman earlier in the second-class dining saloon. A waiter had addressed him as Mr. Otter. The name seemed comical then. Faced with the size and solidity of the man in the narrow passage, however, there was nothing amusing about him. "'I'm sure I don't know, sir.' Ned replied with reflexive humility. Be meek in the presence of your betters, was the motto drummed into Irish bones from birth to the grave. The Englishman scowled.